So I want to talk to you for a little while on this subject, when God moves forward. In essence, what I want to talk about is when God moves forward, we need to step in and move with God. Someone once said, God is on my side. And I heard another person say, no, he's not. I bowed up again. And I was like, what do you mean by that? And he says, no, God's only got one side. And that is that we are on his side. So when God moves forward, we're going to follow the Lord and not follow the philosophy of man, but we're going to follow after Christ. Some of you have heard me talk about this. It's called the doorway effect. All of us have had this experience because it's forgetting why you got up and went into another room. And everything that prompted you and the thought that you had in the room before, after you get up, is now completely different and you have no idea why you went into that room. They say it's because of the environment and the furniture is laid out differently and lighting has changed and the sound and what you hear is not the same. And so they call it the doorway effect because once going through the door the doorway effect erases the memory of why you came into the room so if any of you are like me sometimes I have to go back to the room stand in the same place to gather the same thoughts to hear the familiar sounds as to why you got up in the first place to go into the other room. I can see some of you agree with me and you're, you're incriminating yourself by clapping your hands because everybody around you said, ha ha. See, having to go back into that room is a human weakness. It stems from completely forgetting why you were moving forward. Then you begin to question, why are you here? Well, I'm preaching to somebody already. Sometimes I think we forget why we're here. And don't realize the severity of this matter. And realize how important it is to be here and in the presence of God. Isaiah, and in Isaiah, the deliverance from Babylon is being foretold to Israel and what to expect when God moves forward. In Isaiah, the 43rd chapter and the 18th verse, it simply says, Remember ye not, God is speaking to them, and he says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old, because I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, and shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and in the rivers and in the desert. He's simply saying, I will do something that you will not understand. And when you're standing in that room, you'll be bewildered as to why am I here right now. It's a new way, a new road. And he says, 
to his people, I will clear a path in the wilderness for you. Just don't go back to gather your thoughts, but trust me where you are. Then he goes on to say in the 20th verse, the beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. He's simply telling them, when you don't understand, I will make everything work for your good so you can be sustained and have water. And why? Because you are my people. But the stipulation was that they would keep moving forward. When they don't understand, keep moving forward. When you don't know why, keep moving forward. When your struggle comes, keep moving forward. But do not go back. Don't go back to the world's philosophy. Once you start coming to the house of God, learn all you can about Christ because all things rest in the knowledge and the truth of the revelation of who Jesus Christ is, not only who he is, but who he is to you and in your life. Don't go back to the world's philosophy to gather your thoughts. Move forward with God. Let me talk about it because philosophy is the study of a fundamental nature of knowledge, reality, and existence, especially when considered as an academic discipline. Simply put, it's an idea that everything can be understood, including God. Don't go to the world for them to define who your God is. Find out for yourself who he is. And you'll never do it just by understanding things. But you have to say, Lord, I'm willing to accept the spirit that you have that will lead and guide me in the fullness of the truth. That's why philosophy believes that they can explain the Red Sea. They believe that they can explain why uh, three men were thrown in a fiery furnace and there's reasons why they didn't burn up and there's reasons why the Red Sea parted. But I have news for you. Isaiah also says in Isaiah 55, 8, he says, My thoughts, God is speaking, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Quit trying to be like God and learn that we must give ourselves to a higher God, a higher being, a God that knows us better than we know ourselves. You cannot exercise philosophy with God, but you can exercise knowledge with God. People need to quit trying to put God in a box of philosophy. Trust God on your new path. When you don't understand it, simply keep moving forward. When you're at a place and you don't know why, I suggest to you and I reiterate to you, keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Isaiah 42, 16 says, And I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in a path that they have not known. 
I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. He's simply saying that these people are going to be blind. There's going to be new paths that they don't understand. They're going to be in darkness and there's going to be crooked places. But God says, if you'll trust me, I'll take care of all of those things. Oh, I'm talking about to somebody here today that you have come to your wits end and you don't understand why you are where you are. But I've got news for you. God knows exactly where you are and he has you in the palm of his hand and all he's asking you to do is to trust him and believe that God will make a way where there is no way. Amen. While our society seems to be deteriorating and politics are beaten against us and the morality is dropping. There's still a God in heaven. I said there's still a God in heaven that holds all power in heaven and earth and I must stay with this God and when he moves, I move. When he goes forward, I go forward. When he says it's time to go up, I'll go up. And when he says it's time to go down, I'll go down. But I'm going to follow this God because I know in the bitter end of all that's going on everything's going to work together for good to them that love him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Unfamiliar territory. I get tired, I get tired, I get tired of people saying, well, the reason why I'm this is because my grandma and my grandpa was this. And I'm tired of hearing them say, well, this is what my mom and dad raised me to be. Listen to me. You can go through a crosswalk. And if someone's coming through the crosswalk at 80 miles an hour, you might want to stop, even though you think you're right. Because you might be dead right before it's over. Listen to what I'm saying. You need to look for the truth in the matter, that there are some things God is calling you unto. And it doesn't matter what man-made laws say. It's the Word of God that saves us. Men can't do this. Churches cannot do this. Preachers cannot do this. Ministry cannot do this. Mama, daddy, grandpa, your forefathers, aunties and uncles cannot do this for you. you got to find this for yourself. I said, you got to find this for yourself. When God moves, move with God. It was never the intention of God that we have to move back to move forward. No, that's not God's intention. In Revelation, the third chapter and the seventh verse. He is always presenting to us that there is a door. He's presenting to us that there is a door. And he talks about this in Revelations to the Philadelphia church. And he says, and the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, these things saith he that is holy. He's not questioning their holiness. And he says, to he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. He's showing them that I know you walk with me, but there's a door in front of you and you got to make a decision. And even when you don't understand why you are where you are, God is always going to give the answer. And he says in the eighth verse, I know thy works 
He says to the church, and I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Has kept thy word, and hath not denied my name. You kept it when you didn't understand. You didn't deny me because of the philosophy of the world. You kept the word. He said, now, I'm going to open a door. And I'm going to take you into new places you'll never understand. And be careful that you don't get into places you don't understand and have to step back into the room you was before. To try to move forward. It's going to be places of new beginning. I'm talking to somebody. It's going to be a place of new hope. It's going to be a place of a new plan, a new purpose, a new path, a new room, and new goals. It's going to be an absolute new life for living with God. Because when you have this new life with Christ, your, he your hearing will change. Your scene will change. Your feelings will change. Your views will change. Your beliefs will change. Your heart will change. That's why Paul begins to unpack this very thought in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He said, there hath no temptation taken you, but such is as is common to man. But God is faithful. In the midst of your darkness, God is faithful. When you are suffering, God is faithful. Oh, I wish I had a witness here today. God is faithful. When your children don't want to live for God, God's still faithful. When you lose a loved one, God is still faithful. Come on, somebody, help me now. Amen. God is faithful. And he says, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way. To escape that ye may be able to bear it. You know what that scripture tells me, Brother Crossan? That he's trusting me with this. He's saying I can put some things on Rob Bibb and he'll carry the load and he'll never question. But he'll just say if I have to pack this thing for the rest of my life and this burden will be upon me, I'll do so because I'm still going to have faith in my God. I'm still going to trust that God has all power. I'm going to keep my faith in him because he's the one that shall save me at the end. No man can do it. Mom and dad can't do it, but God can. Make a way. God will make a way. I said, God will make a way. I said, God will make a way. A uh, little footnote here. doesn't say your pastor will make a way. I wish people would quit coming to me and asking me to do God's work for them. Well, pastor, can you get my marriage back together? Well, you know what? I can't. You can, with God, if you're going to the right one, you need to trust in him and move forward. I was talking to someone just recently and I was telling them that we're a praising church. We're a praising church. You know why we praise? 
His praise is also trusting in God. Let me show what I'm talking about. Hebrews, the 13th chapter and the 15th verse says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. What? Continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Notice he uses the word continually. Praise is not just for the good times. Praise is not just for the good times. But at all times, continually praise him. I'm going to praise him in the bad times. Why? Because my praise, my praise is trusting in my God at all times. When I'm up, when I'm down, I'm still going to praise him. When I'm happy, when I'm sad, I'm still going to praise him. Whether I agree with you or not, I'm still going to praise him. When people stab you in the back, I'm still going to praise him. When the preacher fails me, I'm still going to praise him. When my family walk away and desert me, I'm still going to praise him. Why? Because praise is showing I trust you, God, over everything. There's not anything anybody can do to keep me from praising you because I love my God. Somebody shout hallelujah. And the 16th verse says, but to do good, Give thanks to his name, but to do good and to communicate. Forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. I want to read those two scriptures in conjunction here. Look at the 15th verses. It says, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifices of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. The 16th verse, he says, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Watch what he's saying. Sacrifice yourself to praise him. Sacrifice yourself so you don't have to feel good to praise him. When hell has been beaten against your door and you don't have any reason to praise him, in your mind, you have no reason to praise him. You ought to start saying things like this. God, you're still worthy. The reason I'm going to praise you today, I lost my house last week. I lost my job the week before. But why I praise you is not because I'm feeling good. I'm praising you because, because you are God. I'm going to praise you for the breath that you gave me. I'm going to praise you that you gave me the help that I could walk in here today on my own two feet. I'm going to praise you, Lord, that you have given me opportunity after opportunity to do things in my life that I could not have done had you not intervened. And I'm going to praise you, God. I don't have a whole lot of reasons, but just because he's God and he gives me life in himself, I'm going to praise him because that's showing that I trust him. Amen. I trust him. When everything seems to be going wrong, I still trust in my God. Come on, let's stand to our feet quick and give the Lord a clap offering of praise.
You may be seated. Praise is not feeling. It's a, an appreciation to God for our very existence. Move forward with God. He said sometimes praise is a sacrifice. It's not easy. But I'm doing that because I'm praising him for my very existence. The psalmist David breaks praise down like this. Psalms 139.14, he says, I will praise thee. I will praise thee. I will praise thee. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He's simply saying, I will praise thee for what you made me. This is not boasting in self. This is boasting in God. Saying, look what you have done. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Praising him is moving forward with God. Second point I want to make is this, that applying the word of God. We have a lot of classes that we're giving right now for our small groups, our interest groups, but we're also doing our first step class and we're doing our next step class. Then we have all different classes that everybody's getting involved in and discipleship programs and all of that. And that's, that's great. But let me just tell you, all of this, as I have said previously, is not going to do anybody good until they apply it to their lives. Because applying the word is trusting in God, and applying the word is moving forward with God. Psalmist David also writes in 119.16, I will delight myself in thy statutes. Or read it like this, I will delight myself in thy word. I will not forget thy word. Simply saying, I will rejoice in the word, and I will trust in the word. There's a story of a man by the name of Job. Job was a man that God trusted with that burden. What was the burden? Well, the burden was he would lose his land. Job would lose his house, his houses and his servants. Job would lose cattle and his oxen. His friends would turn on him because they believed because of what he was going through that God must be mad at him. Children were taken from him and his health was also taken from him. And we pick up the story in Job 2, 7. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. And he took him, a potsherd, to scrape himself with all, and he had sat down among the ashes. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Do you still want to walk with your God? Do you still have faith in your God? Look at 
what you're going through. If your God loves you, Job, none of this would be happening. Do you still hold on to your integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? He loses the support of his wife and he's all by himself. But Job in the 10th verse said to her, Thou speaketh as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the, end of, at the hand of God and shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. He's simply saying evil and good is in the hands of God, not in anybody else. The devil doesn't even have that power. He said, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to quit. I'm in a room all by myself, and I don't understand why I'm here, but I'm going to trust God. And all that Job was going through is a long time to have to sit in a dark room and not know why he was there. He was experiencing, in my opinion, the doorway effect. He's all alone. He has no support group. Nobody to encourage him and no counseling. He didn't have any community assistance and there was no welfare for him. Nobody to say it's going to be okay. There were no prayer groups at the time. There were no Bible studies. There was no pastor. He stayed all alone in his place with God. And he simply said, no matter how hard it is where I am, naked came I into this world and naked shall I return. But I am going to trust in the word of God. I'm not going to go nowhere. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. Because I know at the end, all evil and all blessings and power in, in the hand of the Lord. In the seventh verse, it says this, 8-7. Job 8-7 said, Though thy beginning was small, yet the latter end should greatly increase. It was the transition. God was saying, everything that you had in the past you thought was great. And you're now standing in a place that you do not understand. He said, I have set before thee an open door. And when you walk through this door, it's going to be things you've never fathomed possible and blessings you never would have had faith to believe. And I have even often prayed prayers about, God, you need to help us find a building. And God, you need to help us build a building. And I thank God for unanswered prayers because I was shooting too low. And God gave us this building when we never even thought we could even achieve this or obtain it. And then I said last Sunday, I said something about having 600 by the end of the year and Brother Hawks says, I got a bone to pick with you. I said, what is it, Brother Hawks? He says, he says I think you're shooting awful low. I said, God's going to give us a whole lot more than that. And I said, I received that word. And we had 525 people that showed up 
And I'll tell you, God's getting ready to do something big, but we got to follow God and we have to trust in Him because every one of us, all hands on deck, as I've said, have got to get to the place where we trust this God no matter where we are. Amen. And I know that there, there's a lot of political things that are buffering against the church, but the church needs to stand up and be strong and be counted as one that is willing to trust in God no matter what happens. So in Job, the 42nd Chapter in the 12th verse says, So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 she-asses. And he had also seven sons and three daughters. 16th verse. After this lived Job 140 years and saw his sons and his son's sons even for generations. Now he's living for a completely different reason than he was living before. He finds himself enjoying the blessings of God because he trusted God in the hard times. And the times that he didn't understand, now he's realizing, God, I can look back and tell you that I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know how I was going to get out of this mess. But now I stand here today and say, I shall rejoice because all things have worked to my benefit. And you have blessed me because I am your child. Hallelujah. Are you okay? Psalm 78, 7 says that they might set their hope in God. This is a word for somebody right now, that we might set our hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. Stay on task. Get in your lane and go. And don't worry about who's around you and who's doing what, but just trust your God and live for God. Keep the word. Keep the commandments. Galatians 1.6, and I'm about ready to conclude here if we'd all stand. Galatians 1.6 says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed. <laughs> in Psalms, he says, keep the commandments. But in Galatians, it says that there are those that moved from what they knew was of God. They walked into the room. And God had advanced them, Brother Hawks, but they looked at it and said, I don't, all this is foreign to me. So they go back to what they used to be. They go back to the things that are, they're comfortable with and the lifestyles that, that meet their desire. And God has said, I set before you an open door. I'm moving to the next level and I want you to follow me and God's reaching for you but then you get to that place where God's just right there getting ready to open the windows of heaven and you're saying I'm not comfortable with this but if you'll just trust the Lord it says when you have done all you can to stand don't quit now what should you do Stand ye therefore. Why? 
Because when you keep standing and trusting, standing and trusting, moving with God, standing and trusting, and move with God, standing and trusting, and there'll be times you don't understand, but I can promise you, God will never fail you and God will never leave you. For what is greater in you than he that is in the world shall always overcome the questions that you might have in your mind. So he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed, Galatians 1.6, that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. He's simply saying, did you already forget why you was in the room? To a point that you said, I'm so uncomfortable with this that I'm going to go back to where I was. But he says, when you're in there, just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I believe I'm talking to quite a few of you, actually. But I don't know who you are. But I am reaching today to see you come to the realization God has a plan for you right now. And in your darkness and in your confusion and in the things that you have faced in your life, some of you have faced insurmountable odds from sexual abuse, physical abuse, drug addiction, depression, anxiety. But I'm telling you that you're in the right room right now. You're in the right room right now. Whether you understand it or not, you're in the right room right now. And for whatever questions and things that you don't understand, God has shown up here today saying, I'm ready for you to just trust me and believe that I am the answer for whatever issue you might have today. So I'm going to give you an invitation to step out from where you are and make your way down to the front here signifying that this is my time to say I'm going to just trust God wherever he leads me wherever he takes me I shall follow him I'm going to move forward with the Lord I'm going to move forward with the Lord <laughs>